and welcome back to another episode of We're Watching Star Trek, the original series. As always, I'm Brandon, and here with Paul. Uh, Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a long, long time, fellas, but we're here. Uh, been a crazy summer. Uh, we're enjoying it, so uh, time with the family, things like that. But uh, thank you for guys listening, uh, tuning in. Um, you know, let's go. Let's get it. And we still got Dan. Yep, let's see if uh, we remember how to do this. Yeah, it was, it's funny because actually I was debating this morning. I was like, do we still have to introduce ourselves? We're like 40-something episodes in, and then I realized <laughs> that we haven't done anything for like a month, so people probably forgot who we are. <laughs> we have to introduce ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember. I'm Brandon. Brandon. Yep. Uh, as always, okay, maybe it's not as always anymore because Twitter, I think, is called X now, but I refuse to call it X, so I'm still going to call it Twitter, and we're still at WWST underscore podcast. I was gonna say every time I hear X, I think of DMX. Like X is yeah, gonna, give, he's it gonna to give it to you. He is. Yeah, he's gonna <laughs> give it to you. I like when you log even... on to Twitter or X, that's the song that should be playing. <laughs> so people are really trying to call it X. So we just ignoring the change and calling it a day. Because I no, had no people, idea. One person is trying to call it X, and <laughs> okay. his name is Elon Musk. <laughs> it's <Okay>. still Twitter. <laughs> and, like it's just that's a really stupid ass name for just anything. Yeah. Just like X. He, he should have gone with the comedy of calling it just Titter. Yeah. Oh my just take the W God. out. Yeah, just the W. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. I'm not gonna call it X though. I'm just. I'm, it's gonna be Twitter forever. I don't even. I barely even use it. So what? What do I care? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we got that, and then we got a uh, merchandise link in the episode uh, description here, and uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and get started on this one. We are watching Season 2, Episode 16, The Gamesters of Triskelion. Um, original air date for this was January 5th, 1968, so we are in our third year of Star Trek, uh, when the show ran, not us. We're close to Well, it feels year like three Star years Trek. since we've been doing this. <laughs> I think after this we have like 10 episodes, so maybe we'll get done with this by our third year. <laughs> Maybe. So the Enterprise is orbiting Gamma 2 to do a routine check on an automatic uh, communications and astrogation station on the uninhabited uninhabited planet. Hold on. Did it, up, didn't Cell Max kill Gamma 2? Like. <laughs> yes, he did. And Gamma 1. Yep. <laughs> but I looked, uh, I looked up astrogation because I was like, that sounds like crazy. Like, what is that? It's nothing. It doesn't exist. They made it up for this episode. <laughs> astrogation oh. is not a thing. It sounds like something that you would do to do to like seed a planet. To, yeah, the like make a farming life. technique. Yeah, yeah. Like farming. You basically farming, you know, uninhabitable plant planets. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Kirk informs the crew that he and Chekhov and Ahura are going to beam down to complete the check of the facilities, and he uh, leaves Spock in charge. Which of, of all the people that you have to pick from, why would you pick Chekhov and Ahura? And nothing against Ahura, but she's not really like. The, like the away team, you know what I mean? Like she does really good on the ship, but off the ship, she doesn't really do much. And then Chekhov is, I, um, is just Chekhov. In my check of the notes, I found out that it's supposed to be uh, Sulu, actually, not Chekhov. Yeah. But something happened with Sulu. So they, yeah, I saw Chekhov. he was, uh, he was filming a movie called yeah. The Green Beret, I think, at the time. Oh, so he, this, the, him filming that movie, uh, cut him out a lot of episodes in because he's the only one. He wasn't in that they were like, oh, he was all shooting out this movie. So this movie must have been a long movie. Right. And then the, he missed a couple episodes already. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, when he put Spock in charge, uh, he did use an old school term, guys. Just so you guys know, uh, for the young guys who watch this, mind the store is a term that old people used to use a long time ago. <laughs> and it literally just means like mind the front counter. Like if you're at a store 
and you're going to the manager goes to the back, like mind the store. That means mind the front counter, watch the door, make sure everything's cool. So I saw the term mind the store and I knew exactly what it meant immediately. And I thought, do people even know what this term even means anymore? Because I never oh, see, ever I, heard the term I, in years. I, I took it as, oh, go put the landmine down so no one robs us. <laughs> mind, <laughs> mind the store. Mind the store. <laughs> oh, I got, I got it. Yes. Okay. I, I wouldn't be minding it though, right? Yeah. <laughs> Making sure no one comes in. <laughs> Just try and rob us. Yeah. yeah. Try to leave on your shift break, too. <laughs> Mind the store. That's dirty. That's funny. <laughs> so uh, Kirk and crew, they go down to the transporter room, and they get on the transporter, and Kirk tells Scotty to energize, and then you hear this really weird sound that is obviously not the transporter, and there you don't get a transporter effect. And Kirk and Chekhov and Uhura are teleported somewhere and just dropped into, like, this arena-looking area. Uh, I mean, I was like, please, Uhura, fight somebody. I was like, go ahead, Uhura, fight, Uhura, fight. This is going to be awesome. I thought, oh, wait a minute. This is the 1970s. There's no way they're going to let Uhura fight somebody yeah. in, a, in this uh, in arena. It looked cool. Well, quick spoiler. She did fight somebody. It was well, not yeah, awesome. That, but that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I thought the whole time. The early, I was like, man, there's nobody going to let her fight on the screen. Like, there's no way they're going to put her at front head fight. And I just but, thought that it would never happen. She would have done better if she would have had her dark universe outfit where, you know, she was showing off the abs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. They'd have been scared then. For real. I forgot about that. Yeah. I was just immediately reminded of that. And I, now I can't remember the name of it. I just had it. That Chris Pratt movie where he goes like forward in time and fights the, Tomorrow War. the white spikes. Yes. It's Tomorrow War where yeah. they when they come back, like when they survive and they come back and they get tele- or they get like transported home and they just get dropped on the fucking concrete. Like, that's what I was reminded of when these guys got dropped in this arena. Like, put something down for them. Like, why would, why would you risk injuring the people that you just took there to serve you? Like, you're just going to drop them on their backs on concrete? They're very inconsiderate. Yeah. Uh, but Chekhov asks what happened, and Kirk thinks that there was a transporter malfunction. And then he takes a look around, and he concludes that they are not on Gamma 2 because the sky is not the right color for that, which is actually a really good observation from Kirk. Oh, yes. Yeah, a good point. Uh, Uhura remarks about the landing pad that they were dropped on, and Kirk notes that it has a trinary sun logo. So yeah, they're on this kind of like weird triangular pad that has like a yellow like kind of sun in the middle of it. Kind of looks like something from Magic the Gathering. But on the ship, Scotty calls Spock to tell him that the others have vanished, and Spock just kind of he's he's like kind of a smartass remark to it about it, like. Just assuming that, like, the teleporter was broken. Asking him he's, the he's obvious, like, most obvious yeah. questions they on planet Earth. Like, bro, like, you know I checked A, B, and C before I hit you up. Like, I, yeah. I wouldn't call you unless it was an emergency. I, you know, I did the normal checks already, and then I hit you up. Yeah. Well, well, he's like, are you really calling me to tell me that the transporter worked like it's supposed to? <laughs> like, no, you dipshit. And you know what you would think for somebody yeah. who thinks logically, he would know that that's not what was happening. Because why would Scotty ever do that? Well, maybe he just assumed Scotty, you know, tied one off the night before. And he was just a long over He's a liquidy. <laughs> the liquidy like, man, uh, the transporter worked, guy. He's still on his shit. He's like, Spock. I hit the button. They disappeared. Don't know what happened. Like, that's how it's supposed <laughs> to work. Yes, like I dropped some right. acid. They just disappeared. Yeah. There's got to be an episode where Scotty's drunk. Like, there's got to be an episode for us eventually where Scotty really is getting messed up in an episode instead of our <laughs> dream episode of Scotty just getting liquidy all the time. You know, I want to see it, but also I don't. So, so, I so we can like, just talk about it I, as like the hidden <laughs> the yeah. MacGuffin. I want it to be our head cannon. I don't want it to be actual cannon. <laughs> So, yeah, Spock asks Scotty if he reversed the controls, and Scotty assures him that, yeah, he's done everything that he can do. And they rule out a power surge, and Spock wants Scotty to check his equipment for, while he scans uh, 
for Kirk and crew on Gamma 2 surface because apparently there is no life on this planet. So, like, if they found something, that it's very likely to be them. Why were they transporting down then if there's no life? Because they were there's automated systems there and they were there to check on the machinery just to make sure that everything's working as it's supposed to. They, they don't have Wi-Fi in the future? Like, hey, check for update. Oh, uh, hey, you can't do a physical check over Wi-Fi. Oh, yeah, you have to do a physical check. <laughs> okay, you know, exactly. Fair point. No no dust in the gears or whatever. You go there in person. Well, what it, what it, yeah. hold on. Logically, wouldn't Kirk just send down of his engineers to do it? Like, why would he you would personally think so, go yes. down? Yeah, that would make the most sense. Send somebody that's, like, mechanically inclined, like maybe Scotty. Yeah, like... You know, Kirk- somebody that's not Chekhov. <laughs> yeah, someone's not Chekhov. Ah, uh, the hatred still goes on for Chekhov. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense in this instance. So yeah, we go on the planet, and Kirk is trying to call the Enterprise, but uh, his communicator is dead. And then uh, they find themselves suddenly surrounded by people. And one of them is like a large cave-looking man when he's got a little knife. And then there's a lady with green hair, and she's got like a big pole arm. And then there's a, a yellow lady with a pole arm, and then a, a regular-looking dude. <laughs> just like the most normal-looking guy. who kind of <laughs> looks like Elvis, and he's just hanging out, and he's got a knife. I immediately uh, put down... Wow, the costume design is so cool. I wanted, like, I wanted to be like, "Yo, do whatever you want to do." Like, this must—they must have had the most fun ever doing costumes for this show. They were like, "What do you want to do?" Is like, "Uh, I'm gonna do a pink alien." Oh, sure, whatever, where? And then do green hair. Yeah, 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 yeah whatever. It's like they literally gave them freedom to do so much stuff because they—the design of all these people are so original and so cool. And when I saw the green haired chick, I put love interest Kurt immediately. Like, <laughs> oh, he's the first sure. type. I immediately put love interest Kurt, green hair girl, that quick. And I all did was yep. look at her because, like, but besides being Kurt's type, it's just like, like, I really liked the way she popped off on screen immediately when she, when she was there. And I, and I liked her so much. I just started, I actually looked her up and found out who she was. And I remember she's like a really famous um, sex symbol for that time of, uh, uh, from this episode. Like she would go, like she would go different places or whatever. Just finished the episode, and they'd be like, "Oh," and they go there, and she would sign pictures of her picture of her, of her doing this one episode. That was kind of her thing, like the one episode right. thing where she would go around conventions as that chick, and then she would sign stuff. So I saw she really popped off screen. I really appreciate that. I really like the design of everything. I just I don't want to go to big rant on you guys, but it just it looks so cool, man. It looks good. Yeah, I, well, I figured Kirk was gonna like her just because she's wearing like basically nothing for starters, and what she is wearing is like looks like tinfoil and. Kirk really likes baked potatoes, and she reminds him of a baked potato wrapped in tinfoil. So, yeah, so I figured, but what yep, she, that was going to be it for also him. Also, what she's wearing, though, like we're like that's really controversial for the time. That's really controversial to show that much body on TV like that. So that was like a a thing at the time. Yeah. Well, com- co- uh, compared to today's standards, she's wearing a lot of clothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She might as well be a nun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is like. Standard Lady Gaga touring outfit, basically. <laughs> this was, she got inspired by this episode of her. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, probably at some point. I don't know what kind of looks like it, right? Somebody had to. Why did you mention number called Lady Gaga the rest of the time now? <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, uh, so Kirk orders them to use their phasers on stun, but their phasers don't work. And then they he, he's like, switch to hand-to-hand, as if they like, hadn't thought of it. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> just totally standing there like, what are we going to do? What about yeah, feet? I don't know, use Can your hands? Use, <laughs> yeah. use feet. No, he didn't say foot to hand. Switch to hand-to-hand. Like, they have to like put their phasers back in their inventory and switch to their fists. And then, uh, yeah, so they have a little fight. And, of course, Chekhov goes for the biggest guy there, the big caveman guy, and he's very easily subdued. And Uhuru gets flanked and then subdued by the two women, which is pretty unfair. Like, why is it four on three for starters? 
and Kirk has a fight with Elvis. Uh, but Kirk gets the upper hand during the fight, but then the green-haired chick comes over and knocks him down Lady Gaga. with a pole arm. H- hits him from the back. Bow! <laughs> you know, well, that, that, that was kind of sneaky. She gave it a nice little sneak, sneak little hit in the back. All is fair in love and war, as we'll find out later. And, and then I get <laughs> super, I put super Kirk beat by female. Yep. <laughs> Marry her immediately. I, I, I just, yeah. feel like Chekhov should have got way more messed up by the big guy. Oh, like, yeah. He had a like the big guy didn't, need, didn't even need his knife. Like all he had to do was smack Chekhov <laughs> down to the ground. He would have been out. I feel like if we if we really wanted to show how serious this was, Chekhov should have died. <laughs> should have just broke his neck. Just snap his he neck right there. Knife. We can't kill <laughs> no, Chekhov. He's, he's injured a little he's bit. He's immediately dead. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I like, wow, this oh really God. dark. <laughs> yeah, you got to show that there's stakes. Yeah, it makes sense when nobody when nobody makes so when man check off. You can't. What about your boy Kirk or your boy Spock? Huh? I gotta be check off. Well, Kirk had an even fight because he was like the same size as the Elvis guy, but uh, like Chekhov went for the biggest dude there. And I feel like that guy would have just crushed him, but instead he like holds him tenderly. Well, it, it was funny. <laughs> like the the punches to the gut, and he's like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, like he didn't learn the last episode when he uh, was fighting the. Uh, what the hell? The Romulan or not the Romulans? The um, Klingon. He tried that same thing against the oh, Klingon yeah, guy in the bar. The business. <laughs> Punch him in the stomach. It's, it's still got his ass kicked. <laughs> no, it just the, the fight yeah. scene was very. I appreciate it. It was really cool, really good. I, I mean, super super kicks, jump kicks, Kirk doing his thing. It just it was entertaining. Yeah, my no, my note says not the best fight we've seen this series. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it yeah. was definitely not the best. Yeah, not the best, uh, but the not one, the worst. The one lady with the the foam. Pole arm was really hesitant to hit Uhura in the back with that, and she just gave her like a light tap, and then Uhura <laughs> yeah, just yeah, kind of turned around like, Wait, like they were... that? and then had to react. Yeah, they were like, uh, then neither none of the none of the many, wow can talk wow many of the um, women weren't very good actors in this show in this episode. Well, I think like, they, I mean, they didn't get any fight choreography. That much is obvious. They were yeah. just like, yeah, just go over here, kind of subdue her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it comes to that, yeah, I just I don't think that was very good. I just think overall, like the whole the arc of it was very uh, simple, simplistic in in a way. So I I don't think it was very good acting at all for them part. But I overall, I just probably I the best fight choreography we saw from a woman was in season one uh, with the uh, I think it was Dagger of the Mind. Yeah, when that chick was like in the the like cage area where the power supply was, and she beat the shit out of that dude. Yeah, like she she had really good fight That's choreography. True. Yeah, looked, looked a little awkward. They were, they, but they were both hesitant. Even when um, when Lady Gaga hit Kurt in the back, you know, earlier. Yeah, it's, 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 it's back like, like, like it's just kinda, it was kind of hesitant. Like, we could make it like our own headcanon that you know the 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 providers or whatever told him like, hey, don't hurt him too bad. Just kind of go up there, and mess him up a little bit. Yeah. Okay, I'll take it. I'll, yeah, I'll take. I'll t- I can take it from that, but it's, it just looks like really hesitant to. To use the weaponry in general. Yeah, maybe they didn't want to break it because it's just like cheap styrofoam. Is that what it is? <laughs> it's just like if I, if I go if I go hit all in on this, yeah, it's it's like it's foam. I, I didn't I didn't see it bend like if, foam normally does this time. And and that's why I think they didn't swing it hard because I bet if they would have swung that thing, it would have bent like a pool noodle. Oh yeah. Okay. See. I, 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 I assume the amber like, foam. Like they told him, like, hey, don't mess them up because we're gonna sell them into slavery. So you know, yeah. we, need, we need them somewhat healthy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're gonna sell them to ourselves. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. How did that work? Yeah. Um, so yeah, she knocks him over the pole arm, holds it to his throat. And we get the show opening, and then we come back with a captain's log, just explains the situation. 
and uh, a bald guy in a black cloak and with like I couldn't tell what was the deal was with his face. He had like white splotches on the face. I was like, man, that guy's got really bad skin and he needs to moisturize. <laughs> like if that's like dead skin hanging off, that's gross. But, no, uh, really, really cool design. Really cool skin design. Probably just put some stuff on the skin. They looked like they went for like a half ass Dracula. Like we don't want to fully commit to you looking like Dracula, but yeah, we're gonna we like give the you cloak. The, the the cloak. Yeah, yeah. He shows up. And he praises Kirk for his fight, and uh, Kirk checks in with his crew, and everybody says that they're okay, and Chekhov's like, well, nobody is hurt yet, and he turns to, like, the big guy, like, like are you like, talking about yourself? Yeah. <laughs> like, you're not going to hurt that oh, guy. Oh, man. See, see, Chekhov provides, I thought Chekhov provides these really cool moments, like, Russia made everything the last time, and then, like, and stuff like that. Like, I don't know, like, Chekhov drives me crazy, but sometimes he had these moments where I'm like, I'm glad he's here. <laughs> Uh, those those just, crazy Russians, man. You, you, hey, Chekhov would be doing a lot better if it was winter time. Like he doesn't do well in the yes, if, if it was winter, he'd be dominating. Yeah. Yep. If it was, if they were having a a vodka drinking contest in the middle of winter, I feel like that's just stereotyping. I feel like I'm going to get in trouble for saying that. <laughs> oh we don't have any God. listeners in Russia. It's fine. <laughs> no, we got one listener. We talking about? I, I checked it out. Oh yeah, that's that's yeah, right. We got that's one right. guy listening to us in Russia. Sorry, he apologized, sir. Yep, I'm sorry. Hey, he might take it as a compliment that he can drink vodka. Like, oh, you, you silly <laughs> Americans, you know, fall down after five drinks. We drink whole bottle. <laughs> oh, my God. And anyway, next subject. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> so uh, the the guy in the cloak praises Chekhov and Uhura for their and Uhura for their spirit, and he introduces himself as Galt, Master Thrall of the planet Triskelion, and he says that he has been sent to welcome them. So we go a little bit later, and Kirk and crew are—they're wearing these really weird collars, and uh, they're shackled to a wall. And Kirk's getting like lightly choked. I don't know what, what that's about. <laughs> it it looks awkward. I think he was trying to hold his head still while they put the collar on him, but maybe they didn't show that part because it looked yeah. like he was just but trying yeah, to. Maybe he was attaching the collar. Yeah, so like you probably can't see. It. That came in like right after that, so it was literally. It, it so looked bad, but I got what they're—I got yeah. what happened. I just knew, I just looked bad at bad angle. I feel like Kirk would be really into that, like a little light choking, shackled to a wall, maybe a collar. This is his style. He is glad they went there. You think I've been training my whole life for this moment. Yeah, yeah, you don't need to train me. I'll do the training. Stop hating on Stop hating on Kirk. But yeah, he's shackled to the wall, and Galt says that uh, they're prepared for their training. And Kirk asks how Galt knows their names, and Galt says that the providers were expecting them and had arranged their transportation. So Kirk asks... Uh, that the provider, he asks what the providers want, and Galt says that they, they are to be trained and that there is no use or no other use for thralls. So Kirk tries to use his rank in the Federation. He's like, I'm a captain of a, a ship in Starfleet. And he's like, you can't, you know, hold me here. And Galt is just like, yeah, your titles don't really matter here. Wait, hold, but, but then he says captain afterwards. Yeah. I wrote that down. He said, your titles don't matter here, captain. Then why call him captain then? Like Politeness. you tell us no matter here, Kirk. Yeah. Like 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 if he had said Kurt to emphasize of that, that would have been a, a great moment of this whole episode. Like all he had to do was say, Your titles on your titles no matter here, Kurt. Like, you know, if he said Kurt like that, like this whole episode would be like, Oh, okay, I get it now. Like, but yeah. he said he called him captain still and they had a like a, a very a modicum of a, a modicum of a little small amount of a respect for him. So I thought he should have called him Kurt right there. I thought that was a missed opportunity of this episode to like emphasize that your titles meant nothing. Like if they called him should Kurt. Should have called him should have called him James. Yeah, or yeah, <laughs> it, it, it don't matter here, James. Yeah, yeah. Or James or Kurt, whichever one, one it was. And then for the rest of the episode, only respond uh us uh, uh, uh call him Kurt 
the whole episode. Never call him captain again. But he continued calls him captain while saying that rank captain doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, so I think it would have been a like a, a good brush to the face that he had been like, called him either J- James or Jim or Kurt the whole time rather than call him captain. He kept calling him captain the whole time. You know, Paul, you just made me think that uh, Kirk's crew doesn't really ever call him captain. No, everybody, yeah, everybody calls him Kirk. Yeah. Like, Kirk doesn't even embrace his own title, really. Like, oh, no, you got to call me captain. Yeah. So uh, sometimes people call him captain very rarely, but yeah. So it's just, I don't know. I think it's just a weird thing that you would say your title doesn't mean nothing and give and call him the title right after that. I just think, like, this episode could add a, a such, like, a, a more sinister vibe if he'd, if it, in a little hidden, hidden thing, if he'd called him James or Kurt the whole episode. So I just noticed that. I always. I always forget that his last name is Kirk because <laughs> that's just what he goes by. So I'm like, oh, yeah, it's his first name. No, it's his last name. Yeah. So, yeah. So Galt just uh, tells him basically like, yeah, you know, none of that shit matters here and you're going to be here for the rest of your life, which I feel like we've he's he's been told that before several times on several yeah. different planets and several different circumstances. But also I'm curious, why did they shackle them to the wall just to release them a minute later? That, that's yeah. what I was wondering. Too. They, already, they already had the collars on them already. So why wouldn't they just? Yeah. Or maybe they shackle yeah. him to the wall to get, to get the collars on him. They shackle him yeah, on the wall know. and hold him still. Uh, uh, they easy to put the collars on him. They put the collars I feel like if him. you could hold them in place to put the shackles on him, you could hold them in place to put a collar on him, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm. Well, maybe maybe I mean, how that's how they woke you. They, they, they chain you to a wall and give you like a little choking, and that's how they say hello. Yeah, just a little light <laughs> choking. <laughs> just a little neck tickle. I think they chain him to the wall, and then after they chain him to the wall... Let them sit there for a while, and then they came with the collars, put the collars on them, and then they had to un- unrelease them. Trust me, this this yeah, logic there, makes there sense. There was some to me. time, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, yeah, Galt says, uh, you know, hey, we're gonna go to your quarters, blah blah blah, and we go to the Enterprise, and Scotty enters the bridge to tell Spock that the transporter is working perfectly, and whatever the power surge was, it had nothing to do with the systems on the ship, and Spock says that uh, he's beginning to believe that. And he hasn't found, or believe that, and he hasn't found any signs of life in two sweeps of Gamma 2's surface. So McCoy asks if the crew's atoms are just, he's like, are they, are they just floating around in space? And Spock says, well, you know, even that would show up on our sensors. And he decides that uh, he's going to continue scans since really it's all they can do. And he says that he's going to hope for a rational explanation. And McCoy's like, well, I thought that hope was a human failing. And Spock agrees with that, but he says that constant exposure does result in a certain degree of contamination. So... He's, uh, he's becoming a little more human, that Spock. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, very good uh, conversation between those two. Really cool. Good dialogue. Yeah. So we go back on back to Triskelion, and Kirk and crew are escorted into the cages that have their names on them, which is really nice. Uh, <laughs> and they they pretend to step inside their cages, but then they decide to punch the guards and try to run. But Galt's eyes start glowing, and the crew's collars light up, and it starts choking them. Which again. Kirk's digging this. He loves. He loves a little choke. <laughs> well, my he, well, out of the three of them, he handles it the best. Yeah. My conversation goes. You didn't notice the collars, like right. Like, like what did you like, think they were gonna do? Logically, like logically, like okay, I'm stuck somewhere. There's a collar around me. Hmm. I wonder if I try to escape. I want the collar shock me. Like I don't know. I just as much as I know, Kirk will always fight. I think he had a. He would have been smarter to be like now's not the time because I don't know about these collars, right? So yeah, should have and, done like a battle royal and just blow their heads up. <laughs> <laughs> and just just all of them just pop their heads. Yeah, so I don't know. It, it was kind of dumb for him to do that in general. Yeah. 
Yeah, but they fall on the floor and Galt turns the collars off and he approaches Kirk and tells him that escape is impossible as demonstrated by their collars of obedience. And he tells them to return to their quarters, so they do that. Uh, back on the Enterprise, Spock informs McCoy that the others are not in the solar system. And McCoy thinks that maybe they're just disassembled atoms just kind of floating around and he wonders how long someone could survive like that. And Spock finds that thought fascinating and that gets McCoy angry and he and Spock kind of go back and forth for a minute about the whole situation. And uh, Spock says that he'd welcome a suggestion as to where to look, uh, even if it's an emotional one. And McCoy just doesn't have anything. And he's like, oh, first time Spock asked me for anything. And it has to be on an occasion like this. And then Spock, like, raises an eyebrow. And there's a weird, like, bits of comedy in that that I feel like yeah. don't belong. Like, a, it's a very serious situation. Like, you think your friend was just dispersed Adam. into, like, millions yeah. of atoms <laughs> spread out in his space. And that's oh, so what you you're think doing it doesn't joking? belong. Okay, see, I, I thought it belonged. I thought it did belong because they have they they have a habit of a uh, no matter how dire the situation is to keep uh, their spirits up, you know, and, and to keep their and and realize that we've been through a lot. So a lot of times when they're in bad situations, they're always cracking little wise cracking jokes to each other, no matter what the situation they're in. Even when even when it's a curtain situation, normally they're always cracking a uh, situation to, uh, to each other. So I think it was kind of normal to the family cracking jokes uh, and all that. Well, I mean, like, I just I don't feel like it fits the tone of the episode. And most of the time it doesn't. I really think I would like this show more if they would cut a lot of that out and just let it be more serious. Like, there doesn't have mm. to be comedy in everything. Yeah, but then it wouldn't be a sitcom. Like, a sitcom style would be more drama. And I think uh, uh, at this time... Yeah, I think, I think, but I, I think for the era, though, I think Star, the Star Trek they have now, I bet, the one, the newer one, the... Uh, New Worlds or whatever, I bet that's more dramatic because as a people, we're more into drama back then. But back when you watch TV back in the day, it was like more uh, wholesome, more like family-oriented right. wholesome. So it wasn't really about the drama. So I'm going to assume that's why they have it uh, the way it is. Yeah. I will say I did like that Spock was open to ideas, even if they were emotional. Because like, oh, I don't have a clue. Like, yeah, he's like, I ain't got shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. Yep. So back on Triskelion, the crew are in their cells and they're trying to figure out where they are. And uh, the Elvis looking dude approaches Ahura and he says that his name is Lars and that he's her drill thrall. So Kirk asks Lars what he wants from Ahura, but Lars says that that's not his concern and their drill thralls will attend to them. So Lars opens up Ahura's cell and walks in with a tray. He's got like two little pitchers and some cups on the tray. And they move off screen for probably one of the more like uncomfortable implications in, in this series that I have ever seen. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so they move they move off screen and Lars says that he has been selected for her. And then you can hear like Ahura screaming as Lars's shadow is shown like grabbing a hold of her and uh Kirk yells for her as uh she continues to scream and fight Lars and uh Kirk's thrall, the green haired woman, approaches his cell and uh he reaches for her and asks what's happening to Ahura. So yeah, pretty What a, a pretty dark, amazing scene. <laughs> I gotta say that. Like I thought it was pretty I've I've watched a lot of stuff, but like to see the shadow of it all, like to be in a situation and to kind of see it in shadow, I thought was very, very like a good way of like uh, doing it. I don't know why. Like instead of seeing it, like see it partially, I think it was more menacing. The sound and the shadow of it was actually more frightening because your your mind got to kind of imagine what was going on in there rather than uh, them showing it. See, and that's like kind of my issue with we were just talking about like the comedy stuff is the tone shift here. To go from something like, you know, light, lightly comedic to what's basically like an attempted rape. It, the, like, it's, it's such a weird shift. 
I, I don't. Uh, I think, but see, you're talking about from the ship to the the that yeah. situation. It's two different situations. So that right, you know, but like still the ship back is the scenes. Yeah, the but tone I'm saying carries the ship, over. I'm yeah, but the ship isn't doesn't involve the situation down here because there's two different storylines going on. So it's like two different storylines going on at the same time, and we're kind of going back and forth. So I think the the tone is going to be different. Yeah, but I mean, like just the overall like tone of the show. Like you can't yeah. you can't go from comedy to that. Like that does not work. That. That tone shift is just wild. Well, I mean, uh, what we could equate it to in our current day would be, you know, the MCU where it's just joke after joke after joke. Like, oh, hey, this whole city got blown up, but hey, let's crack a joke. Yeah. Yeah. Like, There's no really real. Yeah. It was that was just a really weird scene that I did, I did not. I, I feel like it was also unnecessary. Like you could make that implication without going like the forced the forceful route that they did like i don't know i just thought it was weird like for this show i think it was weird because we haven't seen anything like that before in this show like that's that's a pretty serious thing to have happen so yeah, i don't I know think, i just i feel well, like it i don't just didn't know fit if, this show. Uh, if we're supposed to think that far at, at that level that high level or think he's just trying to what what he's trying to do like I, like right now we assume that assume that next levelness of it but maybe it wasn't supposed to be be that dark for maybe the time he was just trying to force feed her I mean, well, I, don't I mean know. They, they do explain it later. So yes, yeah. it is exactly what I'm implying. Or yeah, what so, they so, so it's like yeah, I, yeah. I just no. I'm just saying at the time. I don't know. It just I don't know. I didn't mind. I, it. It, it didn't bother me because uh, I, I guess you're just trying to show how like how dire their situation is. Like hey, uh, we're gonna pretty much do whatever we want to you, and you don't get a say in it. Which the yeah, whole, I don't the know. Whole, the whole episode is kind of dark in that way. Like oh, you've been abducted. Oh, we're going to right. turn you into slaves. Oh, right. these people that are supposed to take care of you, they get to rape you. Like, sounds pretty terrible. Yeah. They, we, what a weird thing, too, is we get a slavery and rape episode in the same one. Like, holy shit. I know they like their <laughs> social commentary, but fuck, man. Split those ones up. Yeah, I understand. So, yeah, we go to com- uh, commercial break there. Uh, and actually, that was the other weird thing that I, I caught about this was, uh, boy, uh, Shatner really going for it here before the commercial break <laughs> when he's like, "What? what's happening to her? Where the fuck he yells? Like, I yeah. forget what it was. And I was like, God damn, dude. Yeah. That was that was pretty wild. But He's like, that's not how I you think, approach a lady. I think it's uh, I, I thought it was uh, he could seem completely helpless for once. Yeah. Like like yeah. it was like, he was like, yo, I, I can't, I got a call around me. I hear my person screaming out. You know, like uh, I can't help her. Like he, he really seemed helpless for the first time in uh, in a long time. I felt like it, it was going to be a Super Saiyan moment, but I, it wasn't I, enough. <laughs> yes, I want to say exactly what it would have been. Would, would Kurt get that upset if he heard Chekhov screaming from his his cell? <laughs> no, he would be sitting <laughs> no. there like, laughing. <laughs> like he, he just, just yells, just "Like take it like a man, at like a child." <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Chekhov would be in there like that. Move was invented in Russia. <laughs> 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 yeah so we come back after the break and kirk asks uhura if she's all right and at this point uhura is backed up uh kind of close to the cell door so you can see her and lars says that she's not allowed to refuse selection um but then he just leaves and closes the door so apparently she is allowed, is allowed to she refuse selection. <laughs> yeah so Kirk's thrall orders him away from the door and she enters with a tray, like a pitcher and some cups. And she says that it is the nourishment interval, which is my favorite interval in the day. And she sets the tray down and uh, sits down to watch him eat. 
really oddly. Yeah. So we go back to the Enterprise, and Spock is recording a captain's log, just basically explaining what's going on. And then a crew member announces that she's found a fluctuating energy reading on a hydrogen cloud. So Spock goes and checks it out, and he thinks that uh, it's an ionization trail. So he puts the data into the computer, and he says that uh, the computer returns that basically nothing that they know of would account for that ionization trail. So uh, Scotty adds that the transporter doesn't have the power or the range to cause something like that. And Spock has Ensign Haynes, which is the woman that was at the uh, console there. Uh, he has her plot a course for the trail as McCoy just disagrees with them leaving without the other one, without everybody else. He's like, yeah, we shouldn't be leaving. We should continue our search. And Spock explains that it's the only lead that they have. And so they go to warp two. Yeah, that whole that whole scene was kind of long winded in a way. Like what everybody doing. Of it. I know they had to, they had to show the the ship side of the story, but I think it took them a long time to even get there. Yeah. The one thing I did like about the stuff on the ship this time, though, is that McCoy played Spock uh, with a very serious tone here. Like, usually, like, even you know, he was using kind of his low voice. Like, he, there wasn't a lot of inflection. Like, he wasn't really talking loudly. He, like, Spock seemed to take this incredibly seriously. And I really, uh, I enjoy, like, super serious Spock because, like, he's not screwing around. Right. So we go back to the planet and Chekhov's thrall enters the cell and it's like the yellow lady that looks like she was a professional wrestler for the time. <laughs> I, I, I jumped to a Simpsons character like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was super yellow. <laughs> uh, so Chekhov asks if she's been selected for him and she says that she's only his drill thrall and she has brought him nourishment and says that he has a nice name and she calls him Chiku. <laughs> Get old Chiku. Her. Yeah, he's like... He's like, it's, uh, it's Chekhov. And she's like, Chikuf. <laughs> and she says that her name is Tamun. <laughs> like, okay, if you were reading it, sure. But then he's like, Chekhov. She's like, Chikuf. <laughs> like, no, it's not even close. <laughs> so she grabs his shoulders and she kind of shakes him a little and says that he's a fine specimen and she likes him better than the others. And he moves away and she says that she's going to train him. And if the provider is pleased, uh, they may even be selected for each other. And <laughs> I was really worried because I thought that Chekhov's love story was going to be the thing that saves the crew from this episode. I was like, great. He's going to fall for him. He's going to use her to set them free. And Chekhov's going to be the hero. But thankfully, yeah, why can't Chekhov be the man? Come on, man. Let Chekhov be a hero. Let Chekhov does get not it, deserve get that. So uh, Kirk's eating his food. And he's just like, just mowing down on what looks like some peas. And he's like, oh, I didn't realize I was this hungry. And uh, he strikes up a conversation with his thrall, and she reveals that the color of his collar indicates who owns him. So right now, it's like all their collars are silver, and they have like a little clear, uh, I don't know, like a little box kind of thing on them. And she says that he will eventually be bought and sold. Did you notice uh, was the like the vampire-looking guy that his earrings had all three colors? Yeah, well, he yeah, he has a collar on that has all. The oh, what the collar? I thought they were earrings yeah. uh, for some odd reason. No, yeah, he has a collar because they have like a little box thing on each side of it of the neck. But uh, Kirk says that uh, his race calls this slavery, and he asks if Galt is the only one that can operate the collar. But she says that she's not permitted to talk about the collars. He tells her that she's a beautiful woman, but she has no idea what that means. She's like beautiful, and then he uses a metal lid from his food to show her what he looks like. How how like, so smooth of Kirk to do that, like bro? Like yeah, I don't I, know how to describe like, it. So beautiful. I'll just show you. I like, just show you. What a move! Like he has the juice, the swag, the riz, whatever it is that you call the swa- the saucy <laughs> sauce, whatever it is. 
Kurt has it. And as soon as he saw the female situation, security turned it on quick. He was like, oh, yeah, I got this. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, he didn't have a, at, by the end, let's jump ahead of ourselves for a second. He didn't have a girl convert for her whole religion or whatever, was, <laughs> convert her whole lifestyle for him. You know, like, that's Kurt. Like, that's just Kurt. That you is, know, that is normal, what he normal, does. Normal Wednesday. You know, have a girl give up her whole entire life existence, you know, whatever, to try to be with you somehow. You know, leave her whole life to go, go uh, run the planet, planets with you. I just... It, it must Kirk be tough to be Kirk. I know. Like, yeah. That's what I'm saying, Kirk. <laughs> guy. Yeah, I just feel so bad for the guy. Yeah, I just... I mean, man, he just convinces women to give up their whole life and everything to go be with him. <laughs> follow the stars. Come on, man. I just... Oh, man. It's just... It's funny. It's funny and awesome and amazing at the same time. It's just Kirk being Kirk. Uh, he also somehow has learned her name by this point. So, I mean, I assume maybe they had conversations while we were dealing with this, the checkoff stuff, but her name is Shana or Shana. I think Shana, yeah. And uh, he asked her where she was wait, born. Did he say her name first? Yeah, he said her name before she did. I didn't I didn't pay attention yeah, he, to that, or I didn't see he, that. He, that's he was who, like, who he called was like where were you born, Shana? I thought the I thought the uh, thing called her, her her name. Nope. I thought you said, oh, dang it. All right. Yeah, and cool. like the other one, uh, Lars and Tamoon introduced themselves, but she never did. Ah. So I, I assume that she just must have while, you know, we were in Chekhov's cell dealing with his stuff. But uh, yeah, he asked her where she was born, and she says that she's always been there. So Kirk asks about her parents, and she says that uh, she who bore her was killed in a freestyle match. And he's like, freestyle match? What the, f- what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and she's like, ah, oh, you'll learn. Like, you'll see. You, you, I, feel like it's, I feel like it's self-explanatory. Like, it's a freestyle match. Like, if, if it was a steel cage match, you wouldn't be asking that. You would know what that was. He, he, she's like, that, that. she's like, a rap battle freestyle? <laughs> yo, yo. <laughs> she, my name is Kirk, got, and I'm here. I get all the girls. Yo, yo. She got dissed so hard, it killed her. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Now I want to write a rap as Kurt. I'm doing it, people. I'm doing. There, I'm writing. There has down. to be. What's that YouTube where they do uh, rap battles? Like, yeah, the rap, rap battles. Battle. There has to rap be battles. one for Kirk, right? Yeah, there has to be one for Kurt. Oh, there's definitely one for Kurt already. There's definitely one. Yeah. So Kirk explains that Lars and Chekhov's drill thralls were not born there, and asks where they come from. And uh, she starts to say that it's not permitted to talk about it, but then a red light comes on and alarm sounds. And she says that it is now the exercise interval, which is my least favorite interval of the day. And uh, <laughs> you gotta go to work put out. on his training harness. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they put train harnesses on him, but it has no tether. Yeah, yeah, it's good. <laughs> I don't understand the point of it. Like maybe strap some weights to it, something. Uh, but we go to the Enterprise, and McCoy is mad that they seem to be chasing nothing. And Spock says that if they project the path of the ionization, the nearest system is M24 Alpha, which is 11.630 light years away. McCoy doesn't believe that it's possible to trans someone that transport someone that far away, but Scott, Spock believes that it's the only logical course. Which we we'll go back. I, I, honestly, Spock is right. Like, hey, we've done everything that we could around Gamma Two. We might as well uh, go search this out, this lead out, which. Right. I'm kind of surprised that McCoy and uh, Scotty were still against it. Or not, yeah, I thought not, it was like, weird too. Like against it, against it, but they're like, oh, no, we should go back and just keep looking on Gamma 2. Yeah, where they've clearly found nothing in every scan. Yeah, I, I didn't like how they were, like, they really fought against him on this. And you would think that they would know by now that he's generally right. Right. On all the stuff, all the stuff that they've seen so far, like, is it that far fetched that someone couldn't get transported over. 11 light years. Right. 
I said the same thing about yeah. the all time where they just somehow they, they they don't believe certain things is possible or they're they uh, get amazed by things that feel like are irrelevant when it when all things they've already seen. Well, at this point, you would think anything's possible in the universe, like a, a space cow. Like, oh, we just said a space cow. Like, well, go right. <laughs> well, yeah, they are they are in this sector. Like, like everything should be normal at this point with the kind of things that they've seen. Exactly. Yeah, but we go back to the planet, and the crew is doing some combat training when Galt stops them, and he's escorting a pretty big guy to the middle of their arena. And he says that the man was slow in obeying a command, and for his punishment, he will be practice target. And he instructs the others to strike the man. Well, Uhura refuses, and Kirk agrees with her. He's like, yeah, we're not going to do that. So Galt's eyes glow, and then their collars start to choke them again. And he stops and says that they've been tolerant because of the, you know, Kirk and his crew because they're new. But they must be given a lesson. And he instructs Lars to let, uh, like, to set the, the punished guy free. And uh, he says that Klug, which is like the big caveman guy, is going to be the one to administer correction. Which I, when he said Klug, I immediately thought of uh, the Lord of the Rings games that have like the different orcs when they come up. And he's like, Klug. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you know Middle that Earth. one. <laughs> yeah, of course yeah. I do. This is Middle Earth, Klug. man. Shout out to War. Yeah. Shout out to War. Love the games. Yeah, so... Uh, Galt has a Uhura take uh, her place on the triad and instructs Lars to tie her, but Kirk pulls her away and says that he's the one responsible for the acts of his people, and he demands to see the providers, but Galt just says, no, nah, you can't do that. And Galt says that since Kirk is responsible for his people, then Kirk's going to have to be the one to take the punishment, and he instructs Kirk to turn around and has Lars bind his hands. So Galt says that Kirk is going to be practice target, and it's a shame to lose him, but it's worth it as an example to others. And everybody just <laughs> calmly goes and sits on some benches while Kirk turns to face Klug, who just readies a whip. Like, everybody's just really cool with this. They're like, oh, we're going to get to see Kirk get whipped. Let's just, yeah. just go sit down on these benches. Which, you know, is another fantasy of Kirk. Probably not the way it's going <laughs> yeah. down, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get out of here. I just think that um, they, um, for somebody that uh, people, once again, kept saying titles didn't matter, they kept kept using titles to matter. I was like letting Kirk like take the rap for his teammates, things like that. Like all this stuff right there. Like they keep saying titles don't matter, but they keep doing things that titles matter uh, titles matter. So I just I find that very confusing as the episode went on. one then in the instance of like Kirk taking or her's punishment, they're like, yeah, sure, why not? We just want to beat somebody. Like we don't <laughs> Yeah, somebody like, gives me an example. It, it, well it doesn't matter who we you know who we hit, like you guys will learn not to do this. Yeah. Understand that. So they should have hit Chekhov. <laughs> Leave Chekhov alone this episode. He did nothing but provide nice comedy this episode. Nothing but smiles from him. He wasn't he wasn't annoying this episode. He was useful. He was he came up with good jokes. He I enjoyed seeing him on screen. You get a pass this time, Chekhov. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, he was all right. Uh but we go to commercial break and we come back and uh Kirk is on the ground being whipped while he gives a captain's log explaining the situation. Like it's a really he weird is scene. Like, why did he do this the log? Crap out of him, man. His shirt's already ripped. You know, like, yeah. like as African American Camille, I must say this. This it made me a little bit uncomfortable to see somebody whipped on screen. I hate it every time. At the same time, I'm like, yo, whip him some more, dude. Like, don't even like. And I enjoyed the whole entire fight. I just, you know. You know it what just, else is weird about this? Like, why didn't they chain him up to whip him? Like, oh, we're gonna give yeah. you free range to move around while we whip you. 
Yeah, why did they let him fight back? I thought it was yeah, supposed to be yeah, a punishment. Like, it thing. was more like a a fight rather than a punishment. And if I go, yeah. we're going to make you fight at a disadvantage now. You fight him at a, with a disadvantage with your hands behind your back or something like that. It wasn't like a punishment. I get what you're saying. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, because they're like, yeah, like he was supposed to be taking Uhura's punishment, but instead they just let him, you know, dive around and yeah, fight, kick, kick Klug. Yeah, but yeah, he does that. He kicks Klug over, and then uh, Galt shows up and's like, "All right, it's time to take a short rest from your whipping." And uh, Kirk goes and sits next to Shauna, and she gives him a drink and says that it's going to strengthen him, which it looked like it was grape flavored. So I'd be down with that. Like that looked like great Kool Aid. I bet it was real damn good. I thought it looked like Coca Cola to me. Coca-Cola bottles extended. It's like they the made one of those old bottles awesome. like, and made it huge. The bottle was pretty huge. Yeah, yeah. that was a cool ass bottle. Yeah, it was yeah. like one of the old school Coca-Cola bottles that like, stretch it out. And he just yeah. takes like a sip of it. Like, oh, I just need a sip. Oh, I'm back to normal sip. strength. I feel energized. Yeah. It's, it's a sensu bean. I thought it was gonna be like yeah, a sensu bean for real. Liquid sensu bean. I, I truly thought it's gonna be like that. I thought I was gonna take a little sip and all of a sudden he would be 100 percent charged up like a sensu bean and ready to ready for. That right. would have been cool right. if you would have seen his wounds just magically heal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Actually, man. he better have those wounds for the rest of the series now because he was pretty oh, messed yeah, up. Yeah, was pretty deep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but she says that Klug's left eye is weak and that Kirk should approach him from that side. And then we get a quick shot of Klug and like he's just got like his uh, eye looks like Rocky Balboa's uh, eye. Uh, <laughs> 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 so, yeah, he's barely got an eye. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so the rest period ends and Klug goes back to whipping and Kirk dodges the whip and managed to loosen the bonds, uh, around his hands and he loosens them enough to do like this weird kind of rolling maneuver where then he brings his hands from behind him to the front of him and, uh, he dives at Klug and hits him with like a weird headbutt and then jumps on his back and puts his bonds around Klug's throat and just starts choking him out until Klug collapses so again, weird punishment. I don't know who's supposed to be getting punished there. Maybe <laughs> both of them. It was an entertaining fight, though. And then they hear a voice from the clouds, and it tells them to hold. And so Galt's like, all right, we're holding. And Provider 1 places a bid of 300 quatlus for Kirk and his crew. But Provider 2 bids 350 quatlus, and Provider 3 then bids 400. So they start a bidding war, and they get to, like, a little over 1,000, and then... Provider one eventually wins at 2000 quat lose. And Kirk says, he's like, Hey, we're free people. We don't belong to anybody. And then provider two wagers 15 quat lose that Kirk is untrainable because of his spirit. And number three wagers <laughs> that 20 quick. that they're all untrainable. And he wagers 5,000 that they're going to have to be destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> so provider well, one accepts their wagers. Technically didn't he win that bet because yeah, they're unruly. They're all going to fight back. <laughs> The, yeah. the bets went the bets went crazy really quick. It was all normal. Like I bet you a dollar I can snap. I bet a dollar I can clap. I bet a dollar I can, I can do a backflip. Well, I can jump a backflip off a building. Like it just got worse. It yeah. just started getting <laughs> bigger and bigger and bigger. Next thing you know, you know, you're <laughs> one of you guys are jumping off a building with an umbrella trying to float. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> it's what's going on here. Because you know what? Yeah. It would have made the episode a lot shorter, but it would have been a funny turn. Like, oh, human beings can't be ruled over. They don't like to be. You know, told what to do. Now we should just let him go and be like, here's your freedom. Didn't we have that already? Yes, except it was the I, other way. Yeah, one of the it? ones, you're right. They said, oh, we couldn't be tamed or whatever. They can figure out what to do. Yeah. I can't remember, where, I can't remember um, what episode it was, but I remember hearing that before. Yeah. 
So Provider 1 accepts their wagers, and he instructs Galt to go mark the crew, and Galt approaches them and makes his eyes glow, and that changes the little box on their collars from white to red. And he says that they now bear the mark of a fine herd, but he warns them that any further disobedience will be punishable by death now that they're full-fledged thralls. And um, Kurt's like, I do not consent. Yeah. Do you think that Galt has clothes beam? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, like, I, I need a new that. shirt. I need a <laughs> Close beam. <laughs> uh, on the Enterprise, Scotty is trying to persuade uh, Spock to go back to where the crew went and uh, try to continue their search there, but Spock refuses, and McCoy thinks that it's likely that they're not even alive anymore. So Spock says that in that case, they don't have anything to lose by continuing on their present course, which is a <laughs> good Fair point. Uh, yep, Perfect logic. Good point. Uh, back to Triskelion, and Kirk and Shauna are out for a run. And Kirk asks to take a rest, and she's like, yeah, it's a good idea. And he asks why the providers like to watch others being hurt or killed. And she just responds that that's just the way that it is. And he notes that the providers' voices sound mechanical and asks if they are computers, but she doesn't know what a computer is. So he asks if she's seen the providers and if they have bodies, but she says that they don't have bodies like she and Kirk have. So he asks about the ruins that are around them, and uh, she says that, uh, yeah, none of that stuff is really used anymore. And he asks if uh, it could have been a city for the providers, but she doesn't think that it's a good idea to discuss such things. So he asks about their bodies again, but she's just not up for talking about it. And uh, he starts to talk about his home planet of Earth. And she's like, I don't know what a planet is. <laughs> like, Goddamn girl, what do you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, do they not what teach you anything? What a waste of conversation. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. didn't teach her nothing. Nothing, no, nothing uh, but the animals. How does she That's even know it. how to talk? <laughs> for real. It's, it's really funny. Like, she speaks well for someone that doesn't know shit. That, that is true. But yeah, I but, still uh, think it's bad walk- acting, but it's just, yeah, anyway. But he walks up behind her, and he puts his hands on her shoulders and asks if she's ever looked at the lights in the night sky. And she's like, yeah. So he tells her about the stars and moons and planets and uh, that, you know, they all have other people on them. And she wonders how people can live on a flicker of light. And he explains that from Earth, Triskelion's three suns are just a flicker of light. And he says that it's that this is the darkest planet he's ever seen. And she's like, oh, wait, everything's illuminated. Like, there's, there's light everywhere, even in the dungeons. <laughs> Just, what are you talking about? Yeah. So uh, he gets a little upset, and he saw, says that the thralls have no freedom. And he says that she doesn't think or do anything but what the providers tell her. And she's like, well, what else would somebody do? And do he mentions love. Yep. He goes the love route, and she's like, well, what's that? And I'm like, fuck, he's going to show her, huh? <laughs> you know you know what I like about Kirk? No matter how dire his situation is, like, yes. he's like, he lives by, like, if life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. <laughs> like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I thought you were yes. going to say, if, if life hands you lemons, fuck them. <laughs> well, you know, oh that's basically what he does. <laughs> well, that's no, one way to make lemonade. I mean, Kirk just... <laughs> Kirk has one, he has a, like a one track mind and like he's the one guy in the crew you always can rely on for that one thing that that's, he's, he got a one track mind. He's just, it's look, the women. Look, all I, all I can say if I was just enslaved, getting my rocks off would not be the top priority. <laughs> <laughs> it's always Kirk's priority everywhere he goes that's, that's in a matter of situation. He's about to die. It's a dire situation. Whatever it is, the females matter the most to him. It's amazing how many situations he finds himself in where the solution is to just seduce someone. I don't think I've ever been in that situation. Yes, well, apparently we're just living the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe wrong I just don't term, consider really. that as a possible solution. Maybe I should look at that as a solution from now on. Start, start seducing people to get your thing, to get your yeah. way in life. 
Like, man, this line's really taking a long time. Maybe I should just start <laughs> fucking people. Oh. <laughs> I'll get it to move faster. <laughs> well, that's how you do get promoted at work. What you so got to do is start using Kurt. You got to, like, take Kurt, Kurt, uh, wow, Kurt's lines, Kurt, take Kurt's lines or whatever, to so write them down and start using them in real life on people and see if they work. They can yeah. work. I'm just saying, hey, I don't know how beautiful it is. This is what beautiful is. Hold a mirror up to a girl. Oh my God, that was so sweet. You didn't know what he did. He said it's beautiful and he held a mirror up to me. You know, come on. Dude, pull a curtain, man. Yeah. Come on. I, I, I can be at work and just be like, you ever look up and just look at the lights and they're like, <laughs> no, it's light bulbs. Why would I do that? <laughs> my bad. Um, yeah, he says that uh, love is the most important thing on earth, which I disagree with. Wow. Uh, you can't, you can't <laughs> yes, eat it. You can't live in it. <laughs> it does not clothe you or, you know, feed yes. you. It's on the uh, list. But it's especially important to a man and a woman, he says. And she explains that they have mates, and her provider will select one for her when it's time to increase the herd. So he says that they select their own mate on Earth, and men and women live together and make each other happy. And You know, you know that's only partial true, because there's a yes. lot of countries that, you know, <laughs> your parents sell you for a goat to marry off to uh, the, also, the neighbor. I would, I would say that, you know... Men and women living together makes each other happy, but the divorce rate says otherwise. So <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> Kirk yes. may want to look into that. Yeah, but see, this is back in the day. That back in the day, though, this is like back in the Kirk days. In the Kirk days, everybody was together forever. You know, well, no hold, yeah. hold on, Paul. No matter it, what, but it might be back in the day, but it's also in the future. Oh, also, yeah. oh, yeah, also the future. Yeah, that's a good point. She thinks that uh, Kirk's words are not allowed, and then she tries to leave, but he asks her to tell him about the providers and what they look like and where they live. And she says that she's never seen them, but they're said to not look like her and Kirk. And she starts to say where they are, but then her collar glows and she starts to choke. So Kirk tries to tell the providers to stop, and he says that he's the responsible one, and he's the one that made her talk. And then he's, he's like, they're killing her! They're, you're killing her! And then we go to a commercial break. They're doing, uh, let, Kirk, let Kirk do his thing where he just overacts. He's like the yeah. Nicolas Cage of uh <laughs> of back then, you know, just overacting for no reason, but it's awesome because you're you. But yeah. Yeah. So we come back and Kirk is still pleading for them to stop choking her. And Provider One says that his compassion has no value there. And he says that Kirk presents many interesting aspects, but he must learn obedience. So uh, Shauna's collar turns off and Kirk goes to comfort her. And she asks why Kirk risks bringing anger upon himself over, you know, in order to save her. And uh, he explains that it's the custom of his people to help others when they're in need. And once again, I don't think he's been to Earth yeah, for a while. I don't think he's in the right. not that way anymore. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure what uh, where he was at the time, but uh, he must have came during uh, Woodstock, maybe. <laughs> Back in the yeah. day, visited, saw all the love, and said, oh my God, Earth is amazing, and then left. Yeah, so he decides that at this point, his best course of action is to kiss her. So he does. And uh, she's like, well, is that also helping? And he's like, yeah, you yeah, can call it that. It's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's myself. like, well, you know, I wouldn't mind if you helped me again. And he's like, all right. <laughs> like, come on, guy. Yeah, I try to help myself. Is this Kurt at yeah. all times? Kurt has one track mind. It's okay, Kurt. Yeah, so she asks if that's how it is where he comes from. And then Galt appears near them on like a little rock behind him. And he says that because Kirk has amused the providers, there will be no punishment, and he must return to his quarters. So I think what happened here, realistically, Kirk just moved them. Like, they were, a, you know, a group of beings that really enjoyed violence, but they had never considered porn. 
So maybe <laughs> they just get these people together. Once they got, they just once watch they got them together. have sex. And so, and so all the kiss, he was like, what? What is that? That was fun watching amazing. that one. Yeah, and then they decide to combine the two, which is where things get really kinky. <laughs> so Kirk helps Shauna up, and then they leave. And we're back on the Enterprise, and Spock asks Scotty if they can manage anything faster than Warp, warp 6. But Scotty says that they've gone too far as it is. And McCoy agrees and argues that they should return to Gamma 2. So Spock but, explains his position. Did they ever announce why they were having tr- trouble with their warp drive? Like, uh, because they can get they, up to, like, what, warp, warp 8, can't they? I thought they could, but in this instance, they're not having trouble. Just Scotty doesn't agree with what Spock is doing, so he's not really allowing him to go any faster okay gotcha because like right here so spock explains his position and he he talks about a beam of light that went to gamma to the gamma system from the place that they're approaching and that no natural phenomenon could have caused it so mccoy still isn't convinced convinced and scotty agrees you know that that's not good enough but spock reminds them he's like look i'm in command and we'll continue on our present course unless you intend to declare mutiny and like he gets it's he gets like really low and like whispery about it because I imagine the rest of the people on bridge would be like mutiny, mutiny, like, mutiny? <laughs> yeah. and uh, McCoy asks if they can search Gamma 2 if they don't find anything where they're going and Spock agrees with that. So then he's like, OK, since we got that settled, Scotty, can we manage warp seven? And Scotty's like, yes, we can. And I could probably get you to go a little bit faster. So like just because he didn't agree with what Scotty was doing, he was just like withholding like the performance of the ship. Which yeah, could have got there much faster. Yeah, throw yeah, but um, but I know you, you earlier though, um, Spock actually indicated warp two factor. He didn't. Ev- he never even asked them to go super fast at, at the beginning. He only said warp two, so I didn't even know that they were they were even. He was kind of holding them back. But I, I imagine that they just increased to warp six once they started like chasing the like trail I, that they were on. Yeah, trail. Okay. I, I will say it was nice that Spock was willing to compromise. Like, look, let's just see where this goes, and if not, we'll just go back to game two, and you know, right. I also kind of noticed the providers, they were, um, they must have been eagle eyeing them because to see whatever the, the whole conversation having in the kiss and everything. Cause it, cause yeah, let, oh yeah, they're they, watching they, it all. Yeah, they let the conversation go really far before they gave it a zap. I thought for a minute they were in a place where they couldn't hear, maybe. And then, right. and then all of a sudden that zap came and I was like, oh, maybe they can hear them still or see them still. And then I, I'm assuming that once you said something about th- them enjoying watching, I thought, oh, I guess they've been watching the whole time rather than just uh, they really watched the whole time. So I just kind of confused me how they could uh, how they could not see even even as they were escaping and doing all the other extra stuff. I don't understand why they couldn't just zap them anytime. You know, like right. it, it was there an area they couldn't see in, or did they just saw it all playing out and they just didn't care? They, they were just enjoying the show. Yeah, I think they were just super interested in what was going on. Okay. And then they watched them make out for a minute, and they were really interested in that, too. They're like, oh, yeah, then it gets broken up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're back on Triskelion, and Shauna brings uh, Kirk another meal, and he grabs her to talk about their kiss, and she says that it made her feel strangely, and if she were allowed, she'd ask that he have another drill thrall. And he's like, well, I wouldn't like that. And then he pulls her in and uh, gives her another kiss, and then he punches her in the mouth and knocks Which her out. I- and I, I was not, not expecting. I'm like, wow. wow. That, that was a quick turn. Wow. Yep. I just, you know, wow. I just, it, it caught me off guard, you know? Yeah. It was special. I didn't see that one coming. 
I just let's just say that that's one one that I, I would put as a gif on or like a, a like a little meme or something or a little small video whatever. <laughs> I just that was perfection. It's just but, it came it came so quick afterwards. You just don't expect it. Yep, just a little kiss and a punch. My yeah, my, my just, mind went to the dark route like Kirk. You're supposed to do that on the back of the head. Well, <laughs> <laughs> like that is a, <laughs> that is a perfect uh uh thing for the <laughs> a picture for the. <laughs> For the, you know, the fight, for he, the thing, he, he punched he punches her in the mouth, and she still likes him. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah. Maybe she likes him more now. Maybe <laughs> she's into picture. that. <laughs> oh, she, man, she's like, funny. oh, I, I'm finding out all these new fetishes: kissing, oh, getting punched in the face. Yeah. The only issue is that if you're gonna do that with somebody, ask them first. You can't just try new things on people. Make sure she's down <laughs> with it. You know. Get out of here. Consent is key. Um. Cindy takes the remote that she had, the one that she uses to open up the cells, and he goes and lets himself out. And then he goes and frees Chekhov. And Chekhov somehow managed to subdue Wait, I, to I, Moon. I, I know how he did this. So she was totally into him. And Chekhov's like, hey, back on Earth, we have a custom where we like to tie each other up. Yeah, we invented it in Russia. Yeah, we invented it in Russia. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, let me tie you up and we'll proceed. I mean, this this is kind of a badass moment for Chekhov. I have no idea how he managed to pull this off, but yeah. he's just hanging out at the door like a badass, and Kirk opens that door up, and he's like, yeah. Chekhov's like, this is going to kill our romance. <laughs> <laughs> In Russia, this is how we make love. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, that was actually a pretty solid moment from Chekhov. I just don't know how the hell he managed to do that. Dude, I, don't I told think you, man, Chekhov is the, is the bright spot of this episode. Like, one of the bright spots. He just, every time he's on screen, I enjoyed it. Like, this is the this is the way to use a character. Like, no matter on Chekhov at all, but this is a good way to use a character to have him, like, enjoyable and likable. Like, this, this amount of Chekhov is perfect. For whatever, yeah. so I wish I wish there's more of this amount, and I think I'll enjoy more on, on each episode. He, he sold her on the bondage, like, look, bondage is this thing we like to tie each other up. That's what I was gonna say. Like, she's probably into him, so he's probably just like, hey, can you tie yourself up for me? And she's like, yeah, anything for you. And that's it. <laughs> she just tied herself up. <laughs> we just, well, uh, it's funny they didn't show it to us, and we're having a whole conversation now about what really happened <laughs> in that yeah. in that little scene with them. It's just, it's funny. And meanwhile, the providers have to be seeing all this. Well, like they have to know what's about to play out. They're, they're probably like, man, these Ursulines did freaky stuff. Like Kirk just punched her in the face. Yeah. Chekhov's tying the girl up. That's that's one of my things. I was like, why they must have just been enjoying the show? Like this is something we never seen before. So they must have been sitting back and just enjoying the show. Yeah, that's what I figured too. But uh, but Lars isn't there. He was uh, actually just having a drum session with his band Metallica, and. <laughs> They went to report Uhura. Be- he he went to report Uhura because she said that she didn't like the food. So he's like, "You don't like the food? I'm telling." And like, just went to go tell on her. And Kirk thinks that Galt is the only one that control that can control the collars, and he plans to find a phaser and use the circuits to short them out. So they run out to the training grounds, and Galt appears there, and his eyes glow, and they start choking the crew again. And then their collars turn off, and the voice of Provider One says that. That was only a reminder, and he says that Earth people are most unusual and most stimulating. So we're back on the Enterprise, and they enter the orbit of a planet, as Spock explains that they've picked up humanoid readings from their sensors, and that there's nothing else on that planet but those readings. So McCoy notes that it's at least a start for a landing force, but Spock says that there will be no landing force because he thinks that it would put Kirk and the others in danger, which is actually really fair. Like, that's, you know, good thinking there. And Spock says that there's no power source on the planet they can find, but that the planet may be shielded. So he decides he's going to beam down, and if he can't communicate, then a landing party is going to be necessary at that point. 
And McCock's McCock, Jesus Christ. Uh, McCoy said, <laughs> <laughs> you do not edit it out. A little bit of a you slip. Do not get to edit you that out. You do not get to edit it out. Alan's a goner. No, he's not. You cannot edit that out. <laughs> oh my goodness. A lot of McCoys and Spocks and <laughs> Scotties. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. I can't edit that out. No way. Uh, so what happens when I read faster than I talk? Ah. <laughs> uh. And McCoy says that if Spock is going into the lion's den, then he's going to need a medical officer. Spock notes that Daniel went into the lion's den with only his faith. Which, Dan, is that true? I bl- yeah, I, 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 Zeus constantly try to hire me to go into the lion's den. Like, hey, your name's Daniel. You'll be fine. Yeah, you had faith. Uh, but he says that he welcomes McCoy's company. The, the only, and, only uh, problem is the lions don't believe I have faith. They're like, oh, they, we don't care. We're going to eat you yeah. anyway. Yeah, no, they don't, they don't give a shit. So uh, he leaves uh, Scotty in command and they go to the elevator to leave, but then the doors close and the lights on the ship all start to flicker. And Provider 1 tells Spock that he will not leave the ship and none of his control systems will operate. So we go back down to the planet and the crew can hear the Provider talking and they hear McCoy in the background. McCoy's like, what's going on? So Kirk decides he's going to yell into the sky because that should work and it does. And he welcomes Spock and the others to Triskelion, saying that it must be obvious to them that they have been expected. So Provider 1 commends them on finding Kirk and the others, and Kirk explains, he's like, yeah, this guy's just a provider, like, you know, he just does stuff. So Provider 1 explains who he is and what he does, and Kirk says that the providers use thralls to make them fight each other so they can gamble on the winner. And Spock's like, that's fascinating, what's, uh, what's minimum bet here? Like, what are we in on? <laughs> <laughs> Let me get a hundred, uh, what's it, quadrals? Yeah, the qua- qua- what is the quadrals? Quailudes? Yeah, Quailudes? Like, what now? Which... Is it, Which is Federation dollars more than Quileudes or whatever they are? Well, I imagine the 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 Quatludes are completely made up because, as we see later, they have no need for currency. So they yeah. probably literally just made up a currency and they keep track of it in their head. Like there's an infinite amount; it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I I just, I just assume. Yeah, Kirk goes on to say that the providers don't have the courage to show themselves, and Provider One notes that they have great curiosity and are interesting in many ways. And uh, Kirk says that. The providers are afraid to show themselves again. And so Provider 1 reminds Kirk that he's no danger with his collar on and he'll wear it for the rest of his life. And Kirk's like, all right, then uh, show yourself. And Provider 1 is like, okay. <laughs> Just yeah, teleports yeah. Kirk on, into a room. Up, man. So in the room, uh, there are three big old brains in a big plastic like bubble kind of thing. And each brain is a different color. And Kirk notes, uh, he looks around and he sees that the power source of this whole place is behind him. And provi- Provider 1 says that they're 1,000 meters below the surface. So, tell, them exact, tell them exactly where you are, you know. Yeah. Let them, let them know. We're 1,000 meters. That way, when he hits you up later and hits up the people, they know if, as far to go down and destroy everything if they want to. Yeah. What's yeah. Too much meters. information. What, what, what's that in feet? Like 3,000 feet or something like that? Uh, oh, I don't God. Even know. I'm I not smart at that. I have no clue. I, Let's find out. Meters to feet. Yeah, 3,820. Oh, look at that. Got, oh, damn, Dan, look at you go. Oh, so smart guys, man. I did, yeah, I did so enjoy the design of the... not knowing uh, the metric system. Yeah, for <laughs> real. I um, I really enjoyed the design of the characters, even though they were just brains and that's it. Yeah, like, I, it looked I knew, like Jello. Yeah, I thought it was um very good. I was like, I just, in my head, I thought what it might be, and I saw what it was, and I didn't bat an eye. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, that's just dumb. I, I, you know, like, I was like, oh, okay, cool. You know, yeah, they, they, they're really good at sometimes uh, 
like going against what you think the what the the main big bad will look like. You're like, oh, they're just three little blobs of brain. Like that's it. And you know they're just so smart. I think it's really cool. I really I like. This Do you think line. their brains were originally that, or when they were making this whole thing, they were like, I want mine to be green. I want mine to be red. <laughs> I, they probably wanted to. Well, they probably wanted to uh, them from each other. They probably just ran ahead and just said, let's just make them different colors. You well, I mean, like the, the actual civilization there. Oh. <laughs> like when they, yeah. yeah. When they're like, know. look, we found a way to preserve our brains forever. Like, but I want mine to be colored. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be green. Yeah. Come on, Pete. You know, grass my favorite color. <laughs> <laughs> Bet you a hundred quat lose it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so. One of the providers explains that uh, they once had a humanoid form, but evolved like out of it, basically. And uh, another says that they devoted themselves to intellectual pursuits for eons and became the physically simply or physically simple, mentally superior creatures that they are now. Kirk argues that a species that enslaves other beings is hardly superior. And provider one says that the thralls are necessary for their games as they that because of, basically that athletic competition is their only challenge and. Uh, the only thing that gives them a purpose. Sorry, my notes were a little fucked up there. But, how, you know, how do they give them a purpose when they're not participating in the fighting? Well, think, the same way yeah, as I, a I didn't fan, know if they meant... Same way as a fan, when you watch something, you get you get involved in a team, and when your team wins, you win. So, like, you I know, didn't if know if they meant that, like, the thralls, like, that's their only purpose for the thralls, or that their only purpose is to bet on the thralls. I think. Oh, see, but I if thought they're, if they're so if they're so evolved and advanced, sh- shouldn't they be past petty things like that? Then, yeah, that's kind of what Kirk was trying to get at too. Yeah, like well, how I think evolved it, can you be if you're still doing this? Yeah, I think that um, it shows that how no matter how how far you are, competition and compete uh, competition is just something that's inbred in us as humans, and we can't get rid of it. You know, the idea of competing against somebody and being the best at something is just something they have. people have in all cultures everywhere. There's always some kind of competition going on. So I'm assuming that they want to say that no matter how, how advanced they get, they still have that uh, in their system. Right. Wait, well, they weren't humans, though. They're just bored-ass brain people now. Oh, they're the same. They're, but they said involved over eons, though. Could, could we yeah. argue that they're living vicariously through people that still have bodies? Yep, probably. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. So, but Kirk argues that it's an unproductive purpose, unworthy of their intellect. And the providers say that they only use inferior beings, which means that they consider Kirk to be inferior because they brought him there. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Kirk says uh, they have found that all life forms in the galaxy are capable of superior development. And he he thinks that uh, maybe the providers aren't as evolved as they believe they are. One of the providers finds that that, perf- that perspective is interesting, and he says that Kirk and his people are most challenging. Uh, another one of them says that it hoped such new blood would stimulate their stock of thralls, but it's unfortunate that Kirk and the others are going to have to be destroyed. So Kirk points out that their destruction will only result in the providers being destroyed as well because they can't match the force of the entire Federation. Provider 1 says that the Enterprise is going to be destroyed by a magnetic storm and that no communications will be possible and their fate will remain a mystery to the, the Federation. That's dirty. Yeah. <laughs> so Kirk's just like, oh, you guys are murderers, and you don't have the spirit to really wager for the lives that you take. And then just by saying the word wager, the, the brains are all like, what? 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 Like, you, you talking about betting? Like, yeah. are we doing that? <laughs> yeah, we, we, like, we like that. <laughs> yeah. 
Man, a couple people at work would. This is the, the this is the super Kirk moment where he gets his his intellect comes through. First, he swaggy Kirk earlier. He's all his his charm. Now, intellect comes to like, hmm, these guys have the best. So I got to bet for them. Like, I bet I can trick them into betting for something that they don't really realize. They, I bet they're gonna lose. You know, so yeah, his little Kirk light bulb lights up. Yeah, and uh, he says that his people pr- uh, pride themselves on being the greatest, most successful gamblers in the universe. Which is, I did not get that trait. Like, if that's something humanity has, like, <laughs> I, I did not get that one. I don't know what trait I got, but it wasn't that one. Well, see, Brandon Arlock is when we go to the casino, we basically just hand them money. But like, thank you for letting us enter the building. Yeah, <laughs> it was a very beautiful building. Yep, yeah, I, like, I really enjoyed the lights and sounds. He's, I had he's a good five, five, five money seconds. Walked out. <laughs> that that is basically my casino experience. Just, just go to the front, hand them the money I brought, and then just leave. And just leave. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, but he says that they gamble for everything: power, fame, women, and everything they desire. And it's in their nature to win. So he wagers that uh, with weapons of the provider's own choice, right then and now. His people can overcome an equal number of thralls set against them. So the providers start wagering some quatloos, but Kirk interrupts them and he's like, look, you can't you can't waffle or wager trifles like quatloos. Yeah, like no, not that. Come on. Yeah, he's like, I want higher stakes. And he says that if he wins, the Enterprise and its crew leave in a leave in safety, and all the thralls have to be freed. And he wants the providers to educate and train the thralls to establish a normal self-governing culture. So the, the providers are like, that's ridiculous. And Kirk's like, well, we, we've done the same thing with cultures throughout the galaxy. And, and that made me wonder, how are any of them doing now? Because we never check back in with those, <laughs> those ones that they've messed with. We'll go back eventually to go back to some, you know? Yeah. So They've, they've, they've he, all ended in violent revolutions. Yeah. I mean, probably. Uh, so he asked the providers if they're willing to admit that he can do something that they can't. And they're like, well, what happens if you lose? So Kirk proposes proposes that he and his entire crew of the Enterprise would stay there and become their thralls, and that they would do their games without rebellion, ensuring the most exciting generation of wagering they've ever had. Now, now, if you got if you guys were on a ship and Kirk made that wager, wh- and you're like the janitor, like would you be like, what the hell, right. man? Like if Kirk, yeah. was, like he, he basically just yeah. sold you to slavery. Like, we could have left you, you know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> McCoy and Scotty are like, we told you Spock to turn around. <laughs> yeah, Spock's like, I was wrong. Um, so they accept the conditions on, or they accept the, the challenge on the condition that Kirk fights alone against three others of their choosing, which they should have made it like a hardcore match or like a TLC, or like, <laughs> I don't know, Money in the Bank, anything really. Uh, Kirk accepts their terms. Or he argues, sorry, he argues that their terms are unfair and uh, he says that, or they they say that they think it's fair since the alternative is Kirk's death. So they're basically like, look, you either accept the terms or you're going to die. And he's like, all right, yeah, that's, that seems about right. And he accepts <laughs> their terms and they teleport him back to the training grounds arena for Galt to prepare them. Uh, the providers all allow the crew of the Enterprise to watch Kirk's fight on their view screen of the ship. And like, oddly enough, this is not a first time for them. <laughs> they have done this before. They have before, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone's like, get the popcorn. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, it's that time like, oh, again? Kurt fight- <laughs> it's Kurt again. Like, uh, like uh, the Matrix. He's fighting Neo. Go. Everybody's rushing. Like, oh, man, get to the screens. It's <laughs> yeah. Kurt again. Let's see him do his thing. Watching Kurt. Like, I got 20 yeah. on Kurt, man. T- two swings. Two swings. That that would be awesome. If the the people on the ship are actually all betting. Yeah. How long is it gonna take Kurt? Thirty seconds, five minutes, how long? 
I, yeah. I'd imagine Scotty would be the the bookkeep. Like, all right, who wants to take her? <laughs> you he gets to, a cut of the house for real. So this is where things get really, really fun. And the providers explain that Kirk has to stay in the yellow symbol of the arena, and the thralls have to stay in the blue areas yes. of the arena. What an amazing design of a game. Like, I saw this, I thought, yo, why aren't we playing this game in, like, real life or something? Like, on a, any kind of show. American Gladiators. Yeah, <laughs> Glad- yeah, Gladi- yeah. Well, I did see that uh, this was inspired by uh, Roman time and Gladiator times when you, when they just take slaves. That's what slaves, I thought of, was, like, Roman take times. Slaves, like, the Gladiator movie, where they take slaves and making Gladiators. It was, uh, yeah. it was inspired by that. And also, the symbol was also, is also inspired by a Roman symbol, so I could see that. I just thought this was like this whole scene about coming up, whatever, is amazing. Like it's the fight's amazing. Like it's just he steps in the spots a lot, makes mistakes, whatever. So come, I watch it feed immediately, but but I let it go because I really didn't care that much because I knew they didn't care, care about the fine details like that. But overall, this is a really cool idea in a fight. And this next, like this is why I watched this show for stuff like this. It was incredible. Paul, do you know what symbol of Rome they were going for? Mm-mm. No, 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 no. I'm at, like the on the floor. No. No, 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 no. I didn't. I didn't uh, double check what it was. I just knew it was a Ro- Roman symbol. I just oh, wasn't, I didn't I, know that. Yeah, I just. I'm just not sure what. Uh, I, I didn't look and see which one it was, but I knew it was really inspired by Rome, Roman Greek, uh, Roman Greek culture. They also explain that touching an opposing color deprives a contestant of their weapon, and the only way to be removed from the game is to be killed. And if someone is only wounded, then they are going to be replaced with a fresh thrall. So they start the fight. And with Kirk's very first step, he immediately steps into the blue area. But no, nobody says anything about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so He's already well, broken, broken the rule. They mentioned the lose the weapon thing, which I thought they were going to emphasize that every once in a while by mentioning it. But they never really emphasized it. No, like, and they my, had a lot of opportunities, too. Yeah, a lot, a lot of opportunities just to, kind of, just to kind of make the stakes a little higher. Like, right. it's just a, like, a real small, just a real small mistake. I don't really care about that much. But, like, like use that mistakes higher and higher and higher because you want to take all the weapons from Kirk eventually. And make him fight yeah. hand to hand, and then and have Kurt steal their weapon, like he does. Like and they emphasize do not touching the other area a little bit in the fight because Kirk uses like the, like a pole vault almost, to like the stick in the ground and like leap over, yeah, yeah leap yeah. over it, yeah, which looked really cool once again. But he's still, but he never lost all his weapons though. I feel like if you want to yeah. really make the stakes higher, you, eventually he loses all. He steps in, the, he messes up the rules because the rules are so new to him. He's fighting without a weapon. He steals one of their weapons to use his weapon. I thought that was something they could use, but you know, I'm being picky. Yeah. Well, that would have been yeah. a good callback to like, all right, I guess I'm using hands. Yeah, hand hand hands. Yeah. Oh, that would have been funny, actually. <laughs> that would have been a really cool callback. That's, that's smart, Dan. I like that. Yeah, so uh, Kirk then knocks down a thrall, and he dodges another one, and he knocks that guy down with a counterattack, and then the first guy actually stepped on the yellow section, which <laughs> didn't seem to matter, and then the guy with the whip is fully standing in the yellow section, and he's supposed to be in blue. <laughs> we're we're, letting, it, we're it. letting it go because that, that's a rule they mentioned. They so immediately mention. the rules are out of the window. It, it just yes. doesn't fucking matter. It's like a WWE championship match. Like, all right, he clearly broke the rules, but we can't end the match right here. Yeah. I just wanted it to be like the movie Dodgeball where there's like a double fault. They have to go to the single elimination and Chuck Norris <laughs> is the vote or, you know, just whatever. But... Uh, <laughs> So the fight continues, and Kirk just kind of fights them off one by one, and he used, this is where he uses the pole arm to pole vault across a blue area, and he drop kicks Lars, and he lands fully in a blue area again, but, but no, no problem there. And then I'm like, is Lars swinging around a fucking mithril shirt? Like, did he take that from Frodo, and he's just swinging this thing around? Like, what does he have? It's one of those, uh, oh, what is it called? 
I know what it is. Is it supposed to be like a net? Net, yeah, like, like a, a net, net, right? So it like a net. It's just, it's just, but it's just weird looking, right? It looks like a ragged T-shirt, though. Yeah, yeah. That's what, yeah. Just, I thought he just had mithril. He's just swinging around. He's, yeah, I mean, I bet that would hurt, but still. That's funny. Um, so Kirk's uh, his his polearm gets broken in half, and then he throws part of it at Klug and just spears him. So Klug's dead. And he goes and picks up a knife, but Lars manages to wrap his uh, mithril shirt around it and disarms Kirk. And then uh, another thrall, the, which is an Andorian. And so it's cool that they, we get to see these guys again because we saw them on the ship once where there was the whole, like, delegates thing. Uh, the blue dudes and, like, one of them was an assassin. Yep. That's how I know they're Andorians. Uh, but yep. he's there and he throws his pole arm, but Kirk ducks it and then it ends up spearing Lars. And the Andorian picks up uh, an, the other half of Kirk's broken pole arm. And Kirk uses the, uh, like, shirt cloth weapon to disarm him. So they get out their knives, but uh, Kirk just dumps this Andorian dude, like, on his head. <laughs> like, he just, <laughs> that was a good flip. slams him. Dude, and, like I said, this fight seems amazing, man. Just Yeah, so the Andorian's knocked out. But since he's not dead, that means somebody has to take his place. So Galt calls on Shauna to enter the fight. And uh, she approaches, and she's like, yeah, you lied about everything. So they have a little fight, and... She knocks him down, but he grabs her and, like, holds a knife to her neck. And she manages to get free and, like, holds a polearm to his stomach. But he gets out of the way and manages to take her down and holds a knife against her throat. And at this point, the, the color rules are just fully out the window because they're just rolling around <laughs> like, all over this damn thing. We, we don't care about the color rules. We let the color yeah. rules go. But I just want to say, like, Kurt's, uh, the movie did to get uh, her staff out the way to flipping entire whatever was really cool looking. Like, it wasn't yeah. really smooth. But, like, I know now today's it would be done a lot more smooth, smooth and look better. But it, it just looked really cool. And uh, I love like Shatner actually did it himself, too, which I, I enjoyed. I I actually gave him credit in this this fight scene, uh, fight scene because I thought there, Kirk would try to figure a way out of not trying to kill anyone. I'm like, oh, Kirk's not going to kill nobody. They're just saying that. Yeah. yeah no, he he spares the one dude. I'm like, whoa, I was wrong on that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Taking no chances. Um. Yeah, so he's got the knife to her throat, and she announces that the thralls surrender, which, once again, is not how this works. The only way to get out of it is to be killed or kill everyone. So I don't think it you're allowed to quit. Yeah, and and why yeah. they only bring, like, four people? Like, don't you have, like, a whole, like, army of, you know, thralls? slaves that you yeah. Yeah, ruling I'm, I'm over? Curious, I was curious about that part, too. Like, there'll be a lot more slaves that come in. Yeah, well, and be... the, the agreement was three on one. But if, so if, he was, if he didn't kill him, though, they would have kept bringing new ones in. Though. Yeah, he said if it's right. wounded, they would be replaced. They never use that either. So, like, there's the little rules they made that actually the cool parts, which I really pay attention to, the wounded, replacements, and or, or the deaf ones, they didn't really follow. So, can, like, can, can, can we argue that the guy that uh, Kirk flipped over him, that he just, like, actually died, like, two, a couple minutes later, like, from a broken neck? Like, oh, he's dead. Like, <laughs> yeah, oh, you so won. Was, yeah, I just don't know. That's what I'm saying. So, like, it just, there was a better way, like, it just executed very well, just little small subtle mistakes they make, you know, like the final, final details, final details, they didn't get, would get well. If if Kirk would have been wounded, would he have been replaced? <laughs> Chekhov comes in. <laughs> oh, yeah. Chekhov? Chekhov could have saved yeah. the day? Oh, I like Chekhov that idea. goes in there and swings a mithril around and wraps around his own neck and he dies. You leave Chekhov alone, <laughs> man. Oh, man. my goodness. This is the dark timeline, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So, uh, Provider 1 announces that Kirk has unfortunately won and that he is going to be freed. And then Uhura and Chekhov and Kirk and Shauna all remove their collars. 
And Kirk confirms that the, he's like, hey, the thralls are going to be trained, right? And he apologizes to uh, Shauna, saying that he didn't lie, but he did what was necessary, and he hopes that she'll understand someday. And she's like, I understand. A little. And she asks if he's going to leave uh, back to the lights in the sky. God, for some reason, that just reminds me of Simple Jack. He's going to leave back to the little lights in the, the sky. sky. <laughs> <laughs> Jarbethan is amazing. Uh, so he says, yeah. And she asks if he can take her with him. And he says that he can't, which I mean, just bring her. Like, what's yeah, that? What a. You, that was kind of shady on his behalf. Yeah, you re educated yeah, Uhura at one point. You can teach this girl. <laughs> for real. Like, he, gets, like, he has to learn here first. Like, you know what was going on, Kurt. You don't want, you don't want somebody uh, all up in his own cock blocking you. We know what's going on that's, here. Right. He, he that's doesn't what want it a girlfriend. Came down to. He doesn't want a girlfriend, you know. I I don't, you know. I, I want to have fun. No, you can't come on the show with me. Stay here with your people. Like she yeah. she left her own existence for you, guy. She was ready to leave everything for yeah. you. Go with this guy, and you can't even buy her with a nice little guy because you want to have fun out in, out there in the sun. Okay, it's okay. Hit the ship. Do your thing. Kurt's, I mean, Kurt's a dick. And, and, and I mean, on, we all know when you scorn a woman, they hold a grudge. So once <laughs> once she gets knowledge, she's going to probably become a tyrant on that planet. Will she, will she become the big bad? <laughs> <laughs> Chris X Lovelace she's is like, now the new big bad. Yeah. That sounds like, like something that was like the X's and like throwing stars into his face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like powers. He says he can't take her, and uh, she asks him to teach her how so she can follow him. And he says that there's much to learn there first and that the providers are going to teach her. And then he kisses her and then he calls for Scotty to beam them up. And Shauna watches in amazement as they get beamed up. And she says goodbye to Kirk and she says that she's going to watch the lights in the sky and remember all while she's like fucking just streaming a tear down her face, which is like the saddest fucking thing. Like, I feel so bad for this girl. Yeah. But the Enterprise just continues along its way. That's a very good tear. I'm not sure it's a sad ending for her. I'm not sure to Paul's credit, that you know, Kirk goes around destroying civilizations by interfering. Like, this is clearly an example. This is Kirk really this is screwing up the society. Not the like, he couldn't even yeah, take her with yeah, her. He went in, changed their whole way of life on the way out, and broke yeah. and, and broke a female's heart. Like he's he, he could at least taken her. I mean, yeah, man. He, he maybe changed their whole way of life because who's to say that those brains are gonna you know agree? They're to, gonna keep their know, word. Stick to what they, 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 they agree. Their brains are the word. Okay. That for, they, they kept I don't believe we know them. They did. I believe them. No, they're going to trick them. them like, hey, why don't we have another bet, uh, bet that we enslave you if you lose? Yeah. Like, <laughs> normally, normally when he goes and they overthrow a society, they bring in the Federation to help them get on their feet. But this time, they're not even doing that. He yeah, made no mention of that. Yeah, the thralls, are, are, the little brains are doing their own thing. Yeah. They'll figure it out. He's like, hey, I came in. I upset your way of life, which, I mean... Definitely should because they were slaves, but also we're just going to leave you with your captors and hope that they do the right thing. We're not going to send anybody to help you out. We're just going to leave you. We need to put it like that. It sounds a little different. We need to put it like that. Yeah. What what an absolute (laughs) shit ending for that poor girl. For all of them. He just killed most of them for what we've seen. The Andorian adultery war. There has to be a lot more somewhere. Yeah. That's that's not just her. her. Her, the Andorian, Galt, and the chick that Chekhov tied up, who's still stuck in the cell at this point, so she may <laughs> die of starvation because they're going to forget that they she's there. They forgot about her. Yeah, oh, there's four man. people on this planet and three brains. They are fucked. <laughs> Kirk could have at least relocated them. <laughs> yeah, something. 
Just her. take that poor girl. She nah, fucking sat there and cried. Take her, man. Take That's her. messed up, man. Kurt's a heartbreaker. Bastard. It, it, sure well, he also pushed her, her right. in the face. Let's not forget. Yeah, yeah. 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 too. And she still wanted to go to start with him. I still want yeah. to go to start with you, Kurt. Oh, Gives man, she's got some Stockholm oh. Syndrome, like. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> one punch. That, that poor girl. Oh, um, Dan, God. you want to go ahead and give us your thoughts on this? Oh, I, I honestly don't know what, what to think about this episode. <laughs> like, there, there's a lot of good, and there's some questionable stuff in this episode. Um, it, it, it wasn't a bad episode. It was definitely interesting. Uh, but, man, Kirk was... I can't argue in good faith for Kirk in this episode. He was pretty dirty at the end. Yes. Yes, he was. Um, what do you think? Like, thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle? I mean, I would give it a thumbs up. I would say it was six, seven. Like, it wasn't a terrible episode. It was a, a pretty dark episode for the times. Like, it, it wouldn't be dark compared to today's standards, but, like, the episode, you know, or the episode, but early in the episode where O'Hara was, you know, allegedly looked like she was getting raped. You know, they were being sold into slavery. Uh, it had a dark, this episode had a dark tone for uh, some of the lighter stuff that we've seen yeah. so far, which I don't have an issue with. Like, I, I kind of like the little bit more edgy stuff. But yeah, I, I would recommend this episode. Yeah, that's pretty much how I feel about it. Like I mentioned, you know, the weird bits of comedy in there. I feel like I I, I think I would have liked it more if they just stuck with it being, you know, darker and more drama than sitcom-y. But yeah, I mean, it was, I don't have anything against it. It was a good enough episode for me. Like, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and rant about it. Like, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's top five, but I liked it enough. I just wish it was done a little bit better. Uh, Paul? Uh, out of all the episodes we watched, this is probably definitely top ten for me. Like, I thought this episode was pretty incredible, honestly. Like my, I only pick on it because I like it so much that I, I look for things to uh, to crack jokes about, and I, I like the uh, the awkwardness and awareness. But the episode was pretty incredible, honestly. Like I thought the the chick, uh, the main character, um, female character, a uh, Lady Gaga character. You know, her name is Angelique Petty John. By the way, I know she is. I would just I'm Lady Gaga, just so you guys know, Lady Gaga. She, uh, I thought her bad acting actually. Provided a way to do the character because the character was kind of a bad character. Um, I liked everything: the costume design, the, the story, everything. It could have been it could have been done a little better here and there. Very small things, subtle things, but like overall, I thought the episode was pretty incredible, and I would watch it a thousand. I'd watch it tomorrow. Honestly, I think that was, that was fun for me. I enjoyed every moment of it. I just, man, I thought it was really good. Like this kind of episode makes reminds me that uh, while I watch Star Trek, I just I watched it. I was enthralled in it so deep. I wasn't aware. Time had just passed. I, I watched it all. And I was like, oh, it's over already? Like, those kind of episodes I really enjoy. So this episode, I just, I don't know, it was just real small, real small, subtle things, that really mistakes here and there. But that's just that's just mistakes that happen as you're making shows. Like, the whole yellow-blue color scheme star thing. Like, that was kind of messed up here and there. But they could have made that a little better. But the little mistakes in there, the episode was so good, I forgave the little small, subtle details. But So I give it, like, a 9 out of 10, honestly. I really enjoyed it a lot, and um, yeah, I just it's that, and it's good. And you made a fair uh, a fair observation there. Something that I feel like we don't uh, we haven't brought up yet. 
we do make fun of this stuff, and it is because we like it. We're, we're, yeah. not, we're not picking these apart. We're making fun of this stuff yeah. because we enjoy it. So, yeah, I, like, pick, they're not most of the time. They're not serious gripes about it. It's yeah, just, I just, it's just for the sometimes when you notice the difference for the time time being like the stereotypes and things like that, you kind of make fun of things like that and small things. But overall, like I love Star Trek. That's why I make make pick, pick at it for the little small details that they didn't notice. But. Yeah. Yeah. Nine, nine out of ten to me. I recommend it. Uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed everything about it. I just it was, it was good. So, yeah. Uh, so with that, we are going to continue with uh, season two, episode seventeen, a piece of the action. And just by the screenshot of this one, I am ready for this. It looks gangster. Yeah. All right. Let's read this now. A piece of the action. Okay. Kirk investigates a planet with a Earth like nineteen twenty gangster culture. So nice. we're going back to the so old it's, They didn't go back in time. They just went to a planet that is that culture. Yeah, They, they better so. have an, uh, an Al Capone-like character on this uh, they, They're going episode. to. You know they're going to have it. If we don't get Spock with a Tommy gun, I am going to be very upset. <laughs> For real. Uh, this, is yeah. gonna, this, this should be good. Honestly, this this season has been incredible, guys. Like Just so, like put it out there. This whole season has been incredible. Like We've had like maybe one dud, two duds this season, and all of them have been really good, so... I just really yeah. enjoying it. Yeah. So with that, uh, as always, thank you guys for listening and sticking with us through this weird time of uh, we're recording, we're not recording. It's back and forth. But everybody that's listening into the future, that doesn't matter. You're probably like, what the fuck are you talking about? They're all right here. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. yeah, thanks guys for listening, and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Yeah. Oh, so you guys, don't forget to hit us up on the Twitter, which is uh, at wwst underscore podcast it's the twitter. same you can find us on x on well twitter well. x yeah whatever it is if we can hit us up uh say what's up say enjoy the show uh, give us ideas uh i don't know say what's up we're checking them out we appreciate it guys later <laughs>